Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Six months, uh, doing a fantastic job as interim, and now it's official. And I've asked him to come preach this morning, share God's word with us. So I'm going to pray for him, and then we're going to listen to what the Lord says through him. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, just um, remind us now of what a, what a privilege it is to be able to sit in a place, Lord, with the freedom to open up uh, your book, Lord, and study your word and go out into the world and live it, Father. We just praise your name for what you've given us and what you've done. I thank you for John. I thank you for what he means to me personally as a friend, for his family, Lord, for the service we've seen for so many years through them and through John, Lord. I thank you that he's here. And I pray right now for him, Lord, just remove his thoughts and his desires and the things that he wants to say and fill him, Father, with the Spirit. May he preach powerfully your word. May we be uh, convicted and changed, shaped more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. So typically uh, what I would do is we would pick a section of scripture and we would walk through it together. But this morning, uh, being a unique Sunday, wanted to, to kind of change it up a bit. I still want to start with God's word, though. So we're going to start together just reading a, a text from Psalm 57, verse 2, together. It's up on the screen, I believe. If you want to read it with me on three. One, two, three. I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. You know what a privilege it is to open God's word with God's people in God's house. I'm super excited uh, to be with you in this capacity this morning and hopefully uh, to get to continue to know you guys uh, as your students grow and your children grow. I know we have, uh, we're excited about being able to partner with Philip and, and the ministry that he's doing as we continue to, to help families and help parents disciple their children and walk alongside parents and raising other children. So uh, as we dive in, seems like every day in December we've had something to do. My wife and I, as we look, I looked back on the calendar every year, she asked me for a new calendar and uh, forgot that this year, so I had to order it on Amazon, thankful for two-day shipping. But anyway, so, um, but we just look back at this past month, and it's been insane. The things that we've had to do, the places that we've had to be, the parties, the planning, the shopping, I mean, just everything. Looking back at the month of December has, has really been more of a blur than anything else. And then we enter into this lull, right? This, this time between Christmas Day and, and New Year's Day, where... If we're honest, like all of the work for your year should be done by now. So it's kind of this odd place of just kind of waiting. But it's really one of my favorite times of year because it's a unique opportunity for us 
to have both a full picture and a blank slate. Where we have a full picture as we look back at 2018, we're really able to see the entirety of the year, everything that we've gone through, everything our family's gone through, the people around us. And we're able to see more clearly kind of what that looked like on our way through. Yet at the same time, as we look forward, we really have no idea what's ahead of us. We think we have an idea. But the reality is, as we know, as we go through the year, at the end of the year, the end of the year looks quite a lot different than what we thought it would going in. It's the most unique time of year. And so that being said, as we approach 2019 together, I want to put a question in your mind. I don't want you to answer it out loud, but I'm going to give you about 15 seconds just to ponder on it. What is the most valuable thing that you have to contribute to the Lord in 2019? What is the most valuable thing you have to contribute to the Lord in 2019? most valuable thing that, that we have to contribute, if, we, if I took an inventory, if we had time to do that this morning, there would probably be different answers all across the board for us as to what we think that we have most to contribute this year. But the reality is the answer for us is all the same. Every single person has the same answer. The thing that we have that we can contribute to the Lord in 2019 is our time. Where we invest our time is where we place our hope. We all worship with our time. And if you were to take a spiritual inventory of yourself and just think back to 2018, if you just wanted to take a quick temperature gauge on where your faith in the Lord has been over the course of the last year, I would ask you, how much of your time have you spent investing in things that matter to the Lord? How much time have you spent over the course of the last year investing in things that matter to the Lord? So often, rather than invest it in my life, I waste it. I waste my time. And so here's the challenge for, for us this year. What if instead of this year, 2019, what if instead of wasting our time, we reclaim it? What would it look like for us as a church, as individuals? What would it look like for us as Christ followers if we were to reclaim our time this year? And you're th probably thinking, John, I don't really have time. Time is one of the things, luxuries I don't get. You don't understand the busyness of my household. Like when, when we're all going, when, when the kids are all moving in the same direction, we're not really moving in the same direction at all. We're all going in different places. And job is, is busy and, and marriage is crazy. It's, it's falling apart. Or There's just every single one of us has a different story as to what our excuses are when the chips are down. Time is one of the things we guard more carefully than anything because we know that we need it to ourselves. We know that other people need it, but so often we waste it. The truth is, by tomorrow night at 11.59 p.m., it is projected that Americans will have spent 37 billion hours waiting in line this year. 37 billion hours waiting in line this year, just Americans little math for you, and I'm not very good at this, so I had to write it down. Americans population, America's population is 325.7 million, right? 37 billion hours equals 4,220,939 years. So if you take those two things, 
4,220,939 years and you divide it by 325 million, 0.7 million, you average, personally, you wait 77 hours in a year. So in 2018, on average, you've waited at some point in your life for 77 hours. You've wasted 77 hours this year. That's six hours a month. That's 20 minutes a day. So just show, show of hands, how many of you would say that you use a smartphone, technology, the internet, throughout the course of a week? Right? So I would say if you live in the 21st century, 100% of us, right? 100% of us use smartphones and technology. Well, uh, research done by the University of Massachusetts shows that those of us who use technology on a regular basis are actually the most impatient of all of us. We are willing to be patient on average for two seconds <laughs> while we wait on a video to load. After five seconds, the abandonment rate is 25%. After 10 seconds, more than 50% of the audience is gone. 10 seconds and half of you are out of the equation. Like, that's staggering to me. Like, we hate waiting. Some applications that we use actually make their money by offering a premium version where if you pay a little bit, you don't have to watch advertisements. Time spent waiting for us seems like it kind of has no purpose, right? We think about the world that we live in. Amazon, as I've already mentioned this morning, saved my tail this week, right? But Amazon has made an empire out of free two-day shipping. And their latest endeavor is a store that they opened in Seattle. They're testing it. It's called Amazon Now. You literally walk in, pick up what you want, and walk out. It recognizes you as you walk in the store. It recognizes what you have in your possession when you walk out. It charges it to your card. You don't have to speak to anybody. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just walk in. You walk out. Taxis are a thing of the past. No longer do we have to wait on taxis. Uber and Lyft, they come to us. Our taxis fit our schedule, right? Walmart shopping. We don't have to go in the store anymore. We can fill up our cart. We walk in. We check the locker. We get it out. We leave. Kroger, make a cart, pay for it, pull in the parking spot. They put it in your car. You leave. When we lived in Nashville, there was a thing called uh, Amazon Go, or I can't remember what it was, but basically they would deliver with a drone within two hours to your house. It was incredible. I ordered a thing of Lucky Charms just to get them, just because they would bring them. It was amazing. They don't do that here, obviously, but we devour life hacks with aims of cutting minutes out of our schedule. There's TV shows devoted to showing you how to cut time. We struggle to tolerate idle time. Smart devices and Wi-Fi make it impossible not to fill it. If you ask my wife, I am horrible about, like, awkward silence. I enjoy awkward silence, but I also enjoy getting on my phone and filling that silence. I enjoy scrolling through social media for way longer than I should. I'm guilty of ignoring her for the sake of trying to see what's going on on my timeline. Like, it's an issue. Idle time is difficult. Waiting is a challenge for me. And waiting is a challenge in my life when I know something bad is coming. I want to avoid it or I want to get it over with. And, but if I know something good is coming, like if I know if I just wait, if I have to wait for something good to come, I just, I just want it now. 
I just want it now. The truth is, I don't know what 2019 holds for us. But what I do know is that no matter who we are in the room, no matter where we come into the room, no matter what family we belong to, your 2019 will be filled with the same thing of every year past and every year future. It'll be filled with seasons of waiting. It'll be filled with seasons of waiting. And because every year is, this past year was especially true of that in my life. And so I spent a lot of time reading about King David and, and reading writings from King David. I spent a lot of time in the Psalms. And so what I found in that was that King David was a lot like us, and I think more like us than we think. Over the course of uh, the past year, I feel like I've gotten to know him pretty well through the pages of Scripture. And David's life was filled with seasons of waiting. If you're taking notes, you can write a few things down about him. David spent nearly 15 years from the time he was first anointed by Samuel to be king, to being king over Judah. It was another seven years before he was anointed to be king over Israel. So 20 plus years where David's waiting to be king. You can imagine there were times where David would ask the Lord, like, God, what is, what is the purpose in this? Like, I was, I was anointed to be king, but, God, we're coming up on 20 years here. Like, what is, what is the deal? What is the purpose here? And that's the question I want us to seek to ask as we enter into this year is, is not so much what is the purpose in our waiting, but a question I also believe David would have asked is, God, what are you teaching me in my waiting? What are you trying to teach me in my waiting? So we see in Scripture, as we follow along David's life, we see David come from this lowly shepherd boy, tending a few sheep his father owned to being a beloved member of King Saul's family. He's a man of great courage. He's a man of commanding military skill. He had a great relationship with Saul up until a point, but his relationship with Saul didn't speed up his appointment as king. David was already anointed to be king of Israel. Saul knew that. Saul was jealous. Saul still wanted to be king. He didn't want David to be king. And so Saul did what any power-hungry dude would do. He tried to kill him. Right? If, if he's dead, then I get to stay king. And so he's, for seven and to ten years, it is believed that David lived in caves as Saul chased after David trying to kill David so that he could simply remain king. We find that David had an opportunity in Scripture. David had an opportunity to kind of speed this timeline up where David wouldn't have had to wait as long. He, could, he had an opportunity to end Saul where he could just go ahead and step into the seat, but David didn't. So was it David's conscience that protected, prevented him from doing this? And in part, it was his conscience, but David answers in 1 Samuel 24, verse 6, he answers that question of why he didn't kill him. He says, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. Keep in mind, he's run for seven to ten years here. Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Simply put, David trusted the Lord was going to take care of the problem. David trusted that the Lord was going to take care of Saul, and that's a lesson for us. So, If you're taking notes, write down this question for yourself. Do we personalize it? Do I trust God enough with the circumstances of my life that I'll trust him with it? Do we trust God enough with the circumstances of our lives that we will leave it in his hands to take care of it? 
As for David's long wait, we know uh, from our perspective that it was to increase David's faith, to increase his patience, because God knew what David didn't. And that's so true in our lives, that God knows what we don't. In the midst of our waiting, in the midst of the seasons that we're in, God knows what we don't. In the same way, God knew what David didn't. And God knew one day as king, David was going to be the king that God united all of Israel under. And the seasons that he was putting David through, and the seasons of waiting, and the seasons of running, and the seasons of praying and praising, like those were the things that were going to make him a king that would unite all of Israel. It's hard to see the need in our waiting. But when we trust God to teach us in our waiting, he purposes our patience. The delay in David becoming Israel's king is not unusual for the Lord. We see throughout scripture where God calls his people to wait. Short list of that. God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have children, yet they waited 25 years. God promised Noah that there would be a flood. That was a long time coming. God made Jacob wait 14 years to get the wife he wanted. Joseph had to wait a considerable amount of time to see his father and his family. and He did not get to come back home until after his death. The Israelites waited 430 years in Egypt before returning to the promised land. David waited 20 plus years. And Jesus. You never found it odd that Jesus didn't start his earthly ministry until he was 30? What was he doing in those other 29 years? Even the Son of God had to learn how to first be a son to Mary and Joseph and how to be a carpenter before he could begin his earthly ministry. There's things, there's seasons where the experiences that Jesus would build in the first 29 years of his life would set him up to understand his people the three years of his ministry. And for more than 2,000 years, the saints of God have been waiting for the Lord's return and the coming of his kingdom. Waiting is a part of God's design for us, and God is not interested in the deadlines that we give him. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you that whatever season of life you're in, if you're in a season of whatever season of waiting that you're in, that it is purposed, that it is not on accident. If we look at scripture, we see David spend a lot of time trusting in the Lord to fulfill his purpose, devoting his life to submitting to his commands. If you think about the waiting that you've done probably in the course of the last month and a half as you wait in line to to buy that gift, it was worth it, hopefully, for you to wait in line because at the end of the line, you were able to obtain the objects of your affection or the object of the affection of someone you love. Like you were able, at the end of the line, you were able to get what you came for. Sometimes having to wait increases the appeal of the product, right? We know that like when they advertise movies, they're not like, hey, this movie's out this weekend. Like, hey, this movie's coming out in a year. Like there's a reason that they advertise because things are worth waiting for. There's a study done by... uh, Science professor, behavioral science professor, Aylett Fishbach, she found that waiting for something actually increases its value, but it also increases the people's capacity to be patient. When we wait for something, it increases our capacity to be patient for what God has for us next. In other words, it makes it worth waiting for. Another thing I can tell you with absolute certainty this morning is that whatever God has coming for you, 
in 2019. You needed 2018 in order to receive it. And it's worth waiting for whatever he has coming next. I believe God places us in these seasons of waiting to see if we will remain faithful to him and rely on him and learn to trust him even when our eyes tell us something different. God's word says, Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. <clears throat> Church, God's still seeking those who will be obedient to him. He's still looking for those who will keep his word. He's giving strong support to those who obey his commands. But we have to remember that God's rewards are not like the rewards that we get on earth. We're so used to this now or never mentality, and that's what we get. When we want something, we go we buy it, we get it. But that's not the way that the Lord works. God asks us to be faithful and to sow now, understanding that we will reap much later. Think of it this way. If every day for the rest of your life, and this is going to sound pretty absurd, I, I recognize that I'm asking an absurd question. If I gave you or someone gave you $86,400 every day for the rest of your life to spend, you think you could spend it? I know it's ridiculous, but just humor me. Do you think you could spend it? Absolutely. Here's the, here's the catch, though. Um, at the end of the 24-hour period, you lose whatever you didn't spend. So if you spend 40000 you lose the other 46400 But don't worry. When you wake up in the morning, brand new 86400 bucks. Like, I would have no problem doing that. No penalty if I don't spend it. Like, you just give me more money the next day. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Free to invest it, free to spend it on whatever I want, whomever I want. Yet repeatedly, we make poor investments. Like it sounds pretty ridiculous that we would be given 86,400 of anything. But there are 86,400 seconds in a day and we continually spend it wrong. We don't get it back. When that 24 hours is up, it's done. But God in his grace and in his goodness gives us another 86,400 seconds tomorrow. And we're free to invest it. You want a temperature check on your faith? How much time did you spend investing in things that mattered to the Lord last year? My own answer to that is not what I want it to be. How much time can you spend this year investing in things that matter to the Lord? If you waste 77 hours of your year, what would it look like to reclaim 77 hours and invest it in things that matter to the Lord? Psalmist wrote Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6. It says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, indeed more than a watchman for the morning. So what the psalmist is comparing here is he's comparing waiting expectantly on the Lord to the night guards of the city who watch the passage of time in anticipation of the sun coming up. So if you've ever been at work or you've ever been at school and you've thought, man, I just can't wait for 3 o'clock to get here so I can go home, or man, I can't wait till 5 so I can go home, uh, that's what they're talking about. The watchmen were just like us. 
they got to work and they couldn't wait for their shift to be over so they could go home. They knew that when the sun came up, they could leave. The coming of the dawn was certain. But notice there's still the passage of time. We have to understand and accept the fact that waiting on the Lord involves the passage of time, just as it does for anything else. The coming of the dawn is certain. The coming of the sun, the coming of Christ is certain. But for now, we eagerly wait. Our ability to wait on the Lord stems from two things, being confident and focused on who God is and what God is doing. Our ability to be patient on the Lord requires that we are confident and focused on who God is and what God is doing. That means we're confident in the, God's person, confidence in his wisdom, his love, his timing, his understanding of our situation and the world around us. It means knowing and trusting in his principles, his promises, his purposes, and his power. Limitations 3 verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. So what does this mean if we're Christ follower? As we go into 2019, what does this mean for us? It means this, that waiting always involves seeking. Time in the word studying, seeking answers and claiming God's promises. Time in prayer, praying about the issues, praying for wisdom and discernment. Time meditating on who God is, what he's wanting to do in us and through us and what we need to do by way of answers and direction. And included in this is time that we need to spend examining and evaluating our motives and our attitudes, our values, our priorities, our goals, and our objectives. There's a great deal of time that we need to spend pursuing the Lord, but we also need to be checking, see how we're doing along the way. Adam has mentioned the word action several times over the last couple weeks. He's going to be calling our church and calling us to be active, to take action, and, and so in the same way of this, 2019 should be a season of action, of actively seeking after the Lord. Time studying. Time seeking answers. Claiming promises. Time in prayer. I'm going to repeat all of that again. Praying for wisdom and discernment. Meditating on who he is and what he's wanting to accomplish in us and through us. Time spent in fellowship with other believers. Time actively taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting in our own backyard. And included in this is our need to examine and evaluate ourselves, our values, our priorities, our goals, and our objectives. God is not calling us to sit idly by this next year and watch as a dying world doesn't receive Jesus. God is asking us to leverage our influence for the sake of the gospel wherever it is he strategically placed us. Because God has purposed your life and he's gifted you in a way that he's not gifted anybody else. And understand that God will use your seasons of waiting and whatever it is to prepare you for whoever he has coming into your sphere next year. That God has uniquely gifted you with talents and abilities unlike anyone else so that you can reach who no one else can. But how will they hear if you do not proclaim it to them? We have to trust that God is always after two things, his glory and our good in the midst of all of it, in the hard seasons. I, I don't know where you came into today. I don't, I don't know 
what life looks like for you. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know the busyness. I don't know the chaos. But what I do know is, is that in the midst of your chaos, God is actively at work for his glory and for your good. I can think back to, to 2018, and, and I think back to where I was going into 2018, and, and I'll be honest, I was embarrassingly stressed out last December. Not because of Christmas presents, but because we, we, were, in a, we were in a house, we were in a duplex that we were renting, that the rent was running out, our time was running out, we needed to be in a house, but the market was crazy, and so we're looking at houses and trying to put in offers on houses. The first day that we went, we looked at three different houses. They'd been on the market less than 12 hours. There was 27 offers on the first house, six offers on the second house, two offers on the last house, and we lost all three of them. It felt like that for weeks where we would go look and they would be off the market by the time we got home to put an offer on one. And, and so with, there was these deadlines that people were placing before us that were completely unrealistic. And at the same time, we were turning around and giving those right to the Lord to say, God, you need to meet these deadlines. And it didn't work that way. We finally got into a house, and, and we settled in. And you know what happened three months later? We sold it because our life got completely and totally turned upside down. And ultimately, that led us on a journey where we moved back to Georgia, and God placed us on a path to come here to Rosemont. And we're so very grateful. We're so, we're so very grateful. But the thing is, is that I am a better, I am a better pastor. I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend and I'm a better man for the difficulties of 2018. So whatever it is, God wants to use it for his glory and for your good, for the sake of the gospel, wherever it is he's placing you in 2019. I want to encourage you, if you've not ever begun a relationship with Jesus, to do that this morning. Come talk to Adam and I as the band comes back up. We'd love to speak to you. Thank you for listening to me. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. And, God, we thank you just for time we've had to spend together this morning. Uh, just ask that you would bless the worship, bless it to your heart, bless it to your ears, and let it be a fragrant offering to you, Lord. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.